You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 113 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good brother, close friend, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page, it's Liam. Liam, if you couldn't tell by the music behind us, we are in a new month, and we are excited to be going back to, just for just a second time, the world of Dakota City. That's right. We are picking up with another month of Static Shock Reviews, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about with this episode. Some Some big changes in the series, starting with this episode. Obviously, we don't review them in order but uh this is the first one of sort of one of the later uh the later episodes that we've reviewed uh a lot to get into with that and of course this also happens to be static's second team up with batman in the episode hard as nails yeah liam uh so just peeling back the curtain a little bit there we uh you know as we do from time to time we had talked last month that had we had unintentionally sort of uh taken a long break in between superman reviews almost uh almost 40 episodes and uh but uh even even more so is the uh is the lack of static shock reviews that we've had so we wanted to we wanted to give static some love and uh, you know it's it's difficult i think we talked about this liam the first time that we reviewed the episodes uh, last year, which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com. Uh, but it's it's difficult to grade these cartoons on the same scale as the Batman, the Superman, the Justice Leagues. And that's just because the, the production value and even sort of being directly linked to the DCAU was not immediate to those original DCAU shows. Yeah, it's kind of a retroactive thing. I think we talked about this last time, but it, it wasn't really planned. Um, in fact, in there's a first season episode where uh, uh, Static's friend Richie makes some joke about how, uh, you know, about Superman being Clark Kent, like as if Superman was a fictional character in this universe. And uh, spoiler alert, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that I think they ended up editing that out of replays once they kind of retroactively decided to uh, to make this a part of this, obviously with the season two premiere, the big leagues where Batman and Robin came to Dakota, it was sort of this, this kind of paradigm shift where you realize, Oh, Oh, not only does Batman and Robin exist, but it's literally Batman and Robin and the Joker from the new Batman adventures. Uh, So it's, it's when you kind of realize it's the same universe and obviously the animation styles didn't really mesh. We talked about that. Again, you can listen to that our review of that episode in the archives at DCAUReview.com. But uh, this this new episode, this is the season three premiere, and we'll get into this. This is sort of a little bit of a course correction uh, from a visual standpoint. But yes, you can definitely still tell just from a production style and even just from the type of show, like the audience it's aimed at um, is, is uh, you know, from a creative standpoint as well. It's definitely not aimed necessarily at the same kids or older kids or young adults or old adults in some cases that uh that were maybe watching batman and superman and and later on uh you know by by this time justice league and then soon to be justice league unlimited 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that you know one of the episodes that we had reviewed previously was the season two premiere. So this is back to back seasons because as you mentioned, this is the season premiere of season three for Static Shock. So it's interesting that they felt that they needed to sort of bring Batman in for your for your premiere episodes and back to back seasons, uh, maybe to draw interest from that crowd of of the DCAU fandom um, to to bring eyes to the program and kind of have them stick around? Do you think that that may have been part of their, their strategy? That could be. I mean, by this point, this is uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It, this episode aired in 2003. Um, so by this point, uh, Batman and beyond and, and the new Batman adventures and Superman have all been sort of off the air on kids WB. So this is really the only DC cartoon that's being aired because for whatever reason, kids WB never ran justice league. Um, eventually, they did air reruns of the Teen Titans show, but this was kind of the lone DC animated project on Saturday mornings on Kids WB at the time. So yeah, maybe they were looking to pull in uh, maybe some older kids who maybe watched Saturday morning cartoons when they were a little younger and 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 had watched Batman and Superman. I mean, I think that's kind of how we uh, as kids, or certainly as I as kids, first got into Static at all was when we when we heard that he was going to team up with Batman in an episode and then uh, sort of every subsequent time, a different, uh, a different other DC hero would, uh, would show up. That would kind of get us a little bit more excited or making sure we uh, set the VCR to tape it rather than if it was a normal episode, maybe we would just, you know, catch it if we did. And if we didn't no big deal. So I definitely think it does give it a little bit, maybe it gives a little bit of, of legitimacy or maybe, yeah, maybe it, it was a little bit of trying to just, hey, it's, you know, it never hurts to have Batman on your show if you're trying to get more people to watch it. That's for sure. Well, let's uh, let's get into our, our review here. Before we do, of course, we're going to use our official IMDb synopsis. No, no imposters accepted here on this <laughs> program, Liam. IMDb official synopsis is... is only uh of course this as you mentioned is for hard as nails which debuted back on the kids wb back on january the 25th leon just a few days before your birthday in, mm-hmm. in 2003 putting us just uh just past the 17 year anniversary for this episode yes sir and this is the synopsis for hard as nails which was written by Paul Dini with music by Richard Wolf and animation by the Dongwu Animation Company. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, no director was listed for this episode, so I can't give you that info. But that synopsis reads as such. A classmate of Virgil's is struggling to deal with her new bang baby powers. She runs away to Gotham City in search of a cure and static follows. There, he meets Batman. But together, can they save his schoolmate? Ooh, this one asks a question. That's unique. Emergency. Ooh, Emergency. a little cliffhanger question mark there. I love it. Build some tension. All right. Uh, so, Liam, as you mentioned, uh, and the IMDb synopsis put there, we actually, and I, I, I mentioned we were going back to Dakota City, but actually this episode takes place at Gotham City, of all places. <laughs> uh, so, I, ironically here, we kick off and uh, we sort of have a flashback once once we're introduced to Static and he's he's chasing after this young girl 
Uh, there's some cool visuals that we'll talk about when we get into the uh, the visual aspect of this episode. But uh, he's chasing after this girl, and then there's sort of a flashback to him on the uh, the basketball courts where he runs into this young lady who who's clearly clearly exhibiting some what I would say Matt Hagen like tendencies, where she's <laughs> sort of morphing into this this creature and trying her best to uh, to cover it up. Yes, for sure. There's uh, there's definitely a lot of that. There's some uh, a lot of this episode seems to be it's sort of like I guess Bang Babies are kind of the DCAU version of uh, the X-Men in the way that their powers can be metaphors for like a lot of different like social or political problems, depending on the episode that you need. Sure. Um, and this one, I, I guess, is sort of uh, maybe a metaphor for like puberty or maybe uh you know a a non-heteronormative person might have coming out to their parents or going through changes and being uh you know literally going to meet strangers online we get some psa dialogue from uh from static and batman about the dangers of meeting people on uh, online that you don't know for sure um so i think yeah they kind of mix that in yeah we we meet her and she's she's trying to keep it under wraps this very short white kid just jumps up and dunks a basketball and pulls down the whole rim, uh, really laying some stereotypes to rest. And <laughs> the backboard just sm- crashes over her. Maybe it was like a six foot rim or something. Uh, uh, the backboard just falls off and crashes over her head. And of course she's completely unharmed. And that makes, uh, makes Virgil and Richie a bit suspicious. They, sort of do some sleuthing on their own after they see that every locker in the school was sort of slashed up with these strange claw marks and except for this this strange student Allie who's been going through these issues and uh, we sort of find out through some uh, some unclear as to how statics powers allow him to like uh, manipulate the computer so, yeah to, like make it show him what another person was googling or or whatever um, <laughs> unclear but he's just like yeah he's like his hands glowing and then he shoots a little zap of electricity at the the monitor and it just pops up with this map of gotham and to be fair she was carrying like paper maps in her hand one of them was of gotham city so I feel like that was probably enough where you could have just said static figured it out that way rather than having him uh, literally, I don't know, use use his electric magic to to to, to figure it out. But uh, I guess that that goes because he, he had to learn that she had been talking to these these two strangers online so we could get our PSA dialogue. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a stretch. I feel like that was that was Paul Dini who is credited with writing this episode. Just like, what does Static's powers do? Well, he shoots electricity. Well, what if his electricity <laughs> powers also gave him a hacking power to understand and hack the history of anybody on any computer at school? Like, well, the the funny part is like starting in this season. We find out that Richie is a bang baby and his power is that he's like super smart. Right. So what if we just like we could have potentially laid a little bit of foreshadowing here and somehow had Richie be the one to figure it out. True. Um, uh, that probably would have that. been more effective. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of leave that cliffhanger as as Virgil has to race off to to Gotham to to find their friend. And you kind of but you kind of get a little moment there with uh, 
with Richie, but no, instead, as we said, uh, Static's just also magic somehow, and and uh, he discovers <laughs> it. But then, so yeah, from there we we cut back to present day as, as Static's chasing Allie through the streets of Gotham. She runs afoul of uh, one Batman, and uh, wouldn't you know it, Static and Batman, as they're sort of discussing uh, what they need to do to to help this girl. Uh, they're they're interrupted by Poison Ivy, and uh, and then later on Harley Quinn as well, and uh, yes Harley and Ivy reunited in a Paul Dini story. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> and uh, and they uh, they sort of abscond with Nails, and we find out that yes they were the two that uh, that Nails was meet, was talking to online, and they sort of they claim that they have a cure for the Bang Baby uh, disorder. And that they'll give it to her if she helps them pull off this heist. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of our, our general conflict of the show is her sort of uh, this character, Allie, kind of knowing that she's doing the wrong thing. But she's so desperate to to get this cure to feel normal that she's letting herself be used by these two uh, these two crazy criminals. And, and then we sort of have this small subplot of of Virgil and or Batman not trusting Virgil enough to show him the exit to the or uh, where they're coming out of when they leave the Batcave right and uh and then we sort of get a little resolution to that at the end but yeah so i i like this episode um it it feels like it it moves very quickly once we yeah. get out of that flashback mhm um, we just we have that first little scene where Ivy like turns them into trees, um, and then Ver- the Batman takes Virgil to the Batcave, and then we just go to this this hype, this heist. They're stealing gold on a ship, and and Batman and Static find out about it, and they go and they have a little fight, and then Static after after they capture the capture Harvey and I uh, Harvey Harley and Ivy they. Uh, they uh static kind of talks alley slash nails down from murdering them and that's sort of uh and then like i said we have this little resolution where at the end uh bruce wayne shows up having paid for alley's treatment and in fact he allows alfred to be seen with him thus showing that he now in fact trusts virgil enough to uh to reveal his secret identity to him so there's a lot I like about this episode, but I definitely think it's not perfect. Yeah, I I, I do not disagree with you uh, with that. I think there are certainly things to like. I think Harley and Ivy, we haven't obviously covered any episodes yet with the both of them together yet. Uh, obviously, we we review the Batman animated series episodes in order, and we've not we've not gotten to Harley and Ivy or any of the new Batman adventures episodes like girls night out or any of those just yet. Uh, so we really haven't seen or explored that dynamic, but we do know, of course, that's always, that's always a fun dynamic when you get those two characters on screen together. there's a reason why Paul Dini likes writing those two characters also. Uh, mm-hmm. So those characters in his hands are fun. There's a lot of quips that they make and some jokes and, um, it is a very rudimentary, uh, rudimentary uh, storyline when it comes to, oh, they're going to steal gold from a ship. It's like, okay. 
Um, <laughs> and we're they're going to take it. I, I do think that the the idea of these two hardened criminals taking advantage of this girl who has decided that basically the bane of her existence is this this bang baby syndrome that she has. And this is, you know, ruining her life. And she just wants she, it doesn't matter what she has to do. She just wants to be, quote unquote, normal again. Mm-hmm. Um is is interesting and i i think that's you know we haven't reviewed again we haven't reviewed a ton of static but that is an interesting dynamic in that and is always it's always a trope that's played up in in a lot of seemingly a lot of marvel comics uh you know the the x-men comics you know maybe even some fantastic four yeah the thing type Mm. type uh comics where you know this gift quote-unquote gift that they've been given comes with its drawbacks and a lot of times they don't see the value in the the uh, you know the heroism of having these powers because of the drawback, whether it's you know the thing doesn't like the way that he looks, or you know some of the X Men just wish that they could be normal and live normal lives. Um, so so that that is an interesting character trope, the sort of the reluctant power and, and having this power that obviously would change anybody's life, and, and a lot of times we only look at what the positives would be without considering what the negatives would be. So when you have a character who, who gets a, a power like this and only sees the negative, that's something that's interesting. Uh, but you're right, it moves very, very quickly. There's a lot of a lot of good uh, you know cameos that we'll talk about later on from certain certain Gotham characters that uh, you already mentioned Alfred and 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 Bruce Wayne make make appearances, which was great. the the scene with Alfred and and Virgil in the bat cave is. <laughs> Just fantastic, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, so the, the plot overall, it, it does move very fast. It is very, very elementary. Um, it, you know, it's not it's not very deep, and it and it moves very, very quickly. So uh, I, I I enjoy it though, and I think that what they for what they had to do and squeezing this in. Um, it doesn't under it didn't undermine static either. I didn't think. I yeah. Think that, that was what we talked about maybe the last last episode the bat the uh, the big leagues is that there's times where bringing in Batman and Robin some kind of times can undermine the hero of the show so I don't think it undermined having Batman on the show partner with him didn't really undermine him so uh, with all that said I ended up giving plot a seven out of ten what about you yeah I'm running that same ballpark I think I gave it an eight out of ten um, there's yeah the, the the actual the finale to the fight as I mentioned it's uh, Static and Batman stop Ivy and and Harley and then and then Allie wants to slice them up and it's it sort of calls back to this conversation that uh, Batman and and Static have in the Batcave where Batman's sort of talking about her like she's any other criminal and and Static's telling her like hey this is this is a kid and she's scared and these people are taking advantage of her like we need to give her a chance. For what it's worth, Allie's a good kid. She's just going through a tough time. She left us for dead. She's not that good. She's confused and scared. She turned to the net for help and your creep girls took advantage of her. Cut her some slack, B-Man. Uh, okay? We'll play it your way for now. But if she gets out of control, she goes down like the others. And so I I really like that the ending is not just uh, aesthetic static zapping her because for a second it kind of looks like that's what happens she kind of lunges at them and static you see you know static zapper but he actually just kind of restrains her and and talks her into into surrendering and i i like that because it 
I because it, again, as you said, it, it it is static show, and he obviously has a much different way of dealing with his criminals, especially ones from his hometown uh, that are sort of that he can sort of see as are are just misunderstood or are just, are just going through a tough time. They don't understand how how to deal with this change that they're going through. So I really liked that element of it because it was sort of static, being a little defiant. He kind of you know he tell he he sort of. He, you know, he, he he's argumentative with Batman over it, and and he sort of is proven right in the end, and and I like that that uh, that part of it, and sort of again how that leads to, at the end, uh, Batman revealing his identity to him, kind of showing him that he he has earned that that trust, and that he is, you know, he's part of the club now. There you go, absolutely. All right, Liam. Uh, well, let's move on to the next category, which will be animation. And visuals. So uh, there are a lot of cool visuals in this episode, a lot of interesting things. Uh, There's a couple of of ones that we'll point out as far as uh, new things for this show, which, uh, again, may be difficult or, you know, maybe uh, not as interesting because we haven't covered as many of these episodes of this show just yet. Uh, But uh, we have a new costume for Static that's debuting in this episode. Uh, We already talked about this episode. So it takes place in Gotham City, which means we have a couple of returning characters, some interesting visuals. Uh, the one that I'll start off with and then I'll hear your thoughts is I, I really enjoy in the very first scene, as I mentioned, Virgil is chasing Allie uh, literally through an alley. And he's uh, he stands up on a rooftop and the, the, the it sort of pans up and he's the standing in shadow and the lightning strikes and it's clearly a visual homage to the the opening the classic legendary opening of Batman the animated series where the the you know it pans up and Batman is standing there and the mm-hmm. lightning strikes and uh, this time with the with the blood red sky of the new Batman adventures look but lots of great things in this episode visually yeah absolutely um as we said, you haven't, we haven't reviewed a ton of Static yet, but this is sort of the debut of his his new costume. Uh, in the in the previous in the earlier seasons, he has like this white shirt with a black lightning insi- insignia on it, um, and and yellow goggles, and now he has this uh, this sort of black outfit with a with a gold uh, uh, insignia on it. I, I think it looks good. I I like this costume better just from like a color palette standpoint. Absolutely. Um, um, and obviously, as we mentioned, this is this is definitely like there was a there was definitely a design change between seasons two and three where they were like, well, if he's going to cross over with other DCAU characters, he has to at least look a little bit more like they fit in. Because I think we even talked about that in the first episode, how Batman and Robin, uh, they, they don't necessarily they don't look bad or, or off model for the show, but it's just. It didn't quite mesh. That DCU style was sort of still clashing a little bit with the static style. The, they've definitely upgraded the uh, the character designs to make them fit a little bit more into that world uh, for sure. going forward. You know, we got we have new new street clothes and a new look for for Virgil out of costume as well. And um, yeah, so I, I I like the sort of visual changes and uh, yeah. And then we have. Like we said, some interesting stuff. Poison Ivy is kind of a fun one because, again, we you can kind of she's she can kind of do anything with those plants, apparently. So she can spray mist that turns them into, you know, that creates giant uh, tree bark uh, cocoons for Batman static. And then she has the the giant uh, 
root ten- tentacles that sort of envelop the whole ship at the end of the episode. Um, so I, I, I like the visuals there. I like Harley's blimp, too. Harley didn't get a lot of her own gadgets, I feel like. Usually she's just in whatever the Joker's doing. So I like that she went out at some point between the new Batman adventures and SAC and was like, I'm going to get this for me. And she got her own blimp. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that I had written down there. It has its own like Harlequin head on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Like, where did Harley did Harley like siphon off of some of Joker's millions in order to be able to afford this? <laughs> Uh, but going back, so. going back to Ivy, it's you know we mentioned we've not covered, uh, we've obviously are still covering Batman the animated series in our Batman reviews, uh, so we've not covered the new look of Poison Ivy just yet. Um, so this would technically be our introduction to this particular design. So this is a little more streamlined than the new Batman adventures uh, in that her proportions are a little bit more even. Her head isn't quite as large <laughs> as uh, as it was from my recollection in the new Batman adventures. So uh, what are your thoughts on this Ivy? Since obviously this is the first time we're covering the, the new Batman adventures look for Ivy. Harley doesn't you know, Harley is Harley still. Uh, she doesn't change from to, too much from Batman the Anime series to the new Batman Adventures. But what are your thoughts on, on new Batman Adventures slash this static shock version of Ivy versus the original Batman the Anime series design? Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're going for. I, I always kind of got the idea, and I think they even explore this in some of the tie-in comics, but sort of the idea that, like, the longer she she's gone like the less human she's gotten mm-hmm. and i think that i so i kind of like that idea in that case and that this shows that she's progressed and she's she's very pale and and she's she's got this uh, completely new look to her so yeah i guess i guess it works for that way like that she's she's more uh she's more plant than woman now i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it works that way i i mean i still think there's something to that that classic BTAS design I think personally I, I like that design a little bit better just because I think I'm I'm fonder of her appearances in Batman the Animated Series than I am of her sure. new Batman Adventures appearances but um or at least you know by memory I am we haven't reviewed that many of her appearances in either so far so sure um but yeah I think I think it's striking and I like I said I think it, I like that it kind of plays into that that idea um I actually being, liked yeah, I actually liked. I I think I actually like the new Batman Adventures look just a little bit more because it's it's a little bit the modern comic version of her is it's a little more it's a little bit closer to that I would say they you know obviously in the comics her her skin is nearly completely green I think at this point mm-hmm. uh, it, typically drawn so. Uh, reminded me a little bit more of the comics there. I, you know, obviously her her story progresses, and she, like you said, she gets more plant-like. There's more plants involved, and uh, there's two different storylines with uh, in in Batman involving pl- plants playing spouses, both for her and for other characters in the. Yes in the uh in the series so you know the fact that she's heavily involved with plants at this point to the point where she might be turning into one is interesting and i actually think this this version where like i said her head isn't quite as large and bobblehead like Mm -hmm. uh, i think looks looks really good there's a a scene where Allie is crawling up a wall 
And uh, I thought it was very, 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 a, a very nice homage to the uh, the web slinger uh, crawling up the wall there. It was a, a nice little nod there. Um, I thought I thought the backboard breaking over her head was interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, typically you see see the glass break over somebody, you know, over the person dunking as opposed to the backboard coming straight off and breaking over somebody else's head. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, that's, I th- that's some shoddy craftsmanship there. <laughs> um, yeah. Plus, you know, we, we mentioned there are some appearances by some classic Gotham residents. Uh, we get a, we get a commissioner Gordon appearance. We get a, a Harvey Bullock appearance. You mentioned Alfred's appearance and, uh, and uh, Robin even gets a, a verbal nod, uh, I- including some, a nod to the Titans as well. Yeah, that's uh, there's there's a lot of fun stuff. I love actually right at the start of the episode, it opens on that red Gotham sky. And I guess just to alert you to be sure what what city you're in, you see the bat symbol uh, appear over the moon, which then sort of transitions into a batarang, which is sort of uh, stuck on this on this rope where Batman has sort of left these thugs tied up and. We get a and where we're reintroduced to Harvey Bullock and, and Commissioner Gordon there. I thought that was a really clever uh, visual. And I like at the end when when Static is is trying to get Harley, and she she's just taunting him and she's flipping out of the way. And so he finally just like throws down this giant beam of electricity that sort of uh, electrifies the entire ship. And she's she's suddenly caught in it and it sort of flashes instead of sort of your more traditional animation there it flashes like four or five different stills of her being zapped uh, <laughs> i thought that i thought that was clever and very funny as well because again i think i think uh, and we'll get to this in voice acting but harley is uh is maybe my favorite part of the episode so seeing again we've, we talked about that last time seeing seeing these heroes fight villains they don't normally uh fight like in, in, the, in the last batman episode that we reviewed a static it was Batman and Robin fighting Static's villains, but here we have Static getting to mix it up with more Batman's villains. So I, I thought that was that was just cool from a visual standpoint. So uh, yeah, for all, for all those reasons, I actually gave visuals an eight out of ten. Nice. I went just a tick higher and I gave it a nine out of ten. Really, really great visuals. Um, you know, we talked about how the production budget is probably significantly lower, at least a, a tick lower on static. Uh, mm-hmm. But this episode, this episode does a great job of, of melding those two worlds and it didn't see, didn't stick out uh, as, as much as the previous uh, episode, the, the, the season before, or even as far going far back as the, the very first episode that we reviewed of static, you know, this is, this is leaps and bounds above that as far as mm-hmm. animation quality. Uh, so really, really great job and, and great improvement uh, in this season three. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, I guess we should have mentioned that in plot, but yeah, there is a mention that Robin is off with the Titans and then we get this like close up on Batman's face where he might as well be like looking directly into the camera and winking, saying, you'll meet them someday. Nice crib. How are you feeling, Virgil? You know, I guess you really are the world's greatest detective. It fell out of your pocket. You probably shouldn't carry that while you're in uniform. Uh, right. <clears throat> so where's Robin? With the Titans. The who? You'll meet them someday. Well, we met them, but unfortunately, Static never got to, at least in any adventures that we saw. So, yeah, that uh, that just goes to, I guess, the mystery of who exactly the 
official DCAU version of the Titans are. Um, but obviously we know Tim, the Tim Drake Robin is part of them at the very least. And that's a, that's a question for another day, I assume. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be music. Um, all right, I'm going to let you talk about music first, and then I then you, we can come back to me. What were your thoughts on music? I really liked the music in this episode. Okay. Um, I like <laughs> I like the dancey Danny Elfman Batman theme that they use. Uh-huh. Uh, I enjoy that. I like that instead of your sort of more traditional music, they use like these royalty-free hip-hop songs. <laughs> Uh, I like that. I think it gives the show its own unique flavor. Um, and so there's like, yeah, so like when when Nails is going off with, with Harley and Ivy, there's like this female uh, rapper doing like, a, I don't know, like a little Kim impression or someone singing about like me and my homegirls. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> it, fits, it fits. And then, yeah, we get, even though the, the theme song changed, and we'll talk about the theme song maybe last in music, because that might be my favorite part, but... The, the season two theme song is still, like, Static's main theme in the show, so we got this, like, run dmc ish type thing uh, going, on, going on in the background and uh, this really dancey kind of rap song that plays. And they actually do a pretty cool part when, uh, when Batman is first, when he first steps on the screen, we, we hear that a little bit of the, the Danny Elfman Batman theme and that it sort of transitions into the end of the Static theme as Static sort of flies up onto the roof to meet them. So I thought they did some creative things, and I like the wacky uh, knockoff knockoff of real song hip-hop songs they use. Uh, disagreement alarm time? Yes. Loudly and proudly. Emergency. Play Emergency. 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 All right. Emergency. That so, was dusty. We hadn't used that in like 40 episodes. <laughs> it's been a while. We agree way too much on this episode, on these, <laughs> which is why why we created the disagreement alarm. Because when it happens, we need to celebrate it. <laughs> um, so in this case, uh, we start when we go to score. At least the way when I go to score, uh, I start with a five. Right, five is middle of the road. Uh-huh. Uh, if something goes and blow, starts blowing me away, we move it towards you know towards the ten mark. And if something, you know, and then gradually we, we come back down or vice versa, you know, we figure out, but we start with a five. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you, if, if the only music they had played was the intro and that's it, like the, the new static theme, 10, this, this <laughs> a perfect score. I love season three slash season four static little Romeo theme song it is like leaps and bounds better than season one and season two's in my opinion uh those theme songs this song rocks uh i can remember the nostalgic feelings of you know a 15 year old cal listening you know hearing this song for the first time and being like what is this this is awesome i don't (laughs) care like this is great (laughs) this is great i love it Uh, i need more of this in my life all right, that is where my appreciation for the music in this episode ends. I am all in on doing unique soundtracks, and I think that it would make 
10,000% sense uh, that Static would have his own feel to his own own theme songs. And uh, I would, you know, I am all on board with that. And I think that that is the hallmark of DCAU shows is that episodes uh, can be distinguished and certainly identified by their own unique sounding soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, this is bad in a <laughs> bad way because never ever should I be distract. Should the music distract me from what's going on on the screen? And I found that multiple times. The nails theme. Oh boy, man, I just want like I felt embarrassed watching. <laughs> like I was embarrassed. I was like this cannot actually be the music that they picked for this this. Like this is one that I would beg WB and La La Land Records to never release, please. <laughs> Um, although, like you said, they probably don't own the rights to it because it's generic Lil' Kim sound-alike number five that they pulled off of, like, a stack of, of, of royalty-free music. Um, so I, I absolutely despise the music on this episode, um, minus the theme song. The Danny Elfman, so they went back to the Danny Elfman, straight-up Danny Elfman theme song for this, which was a little bit... A little bit disappointing. You didn't get the, you didn't get much of the typical Batman crescendo that we get. Uh, so it's a little bit different. I appreciated the spin that they put on it, which pulled my score up just a tad. Uh, but I ended up giving music a score of three out of ten. <laughs> well, play that disagreement alarm again because I gave music a ten out of ten. Oh. Emergency. Oh my word! This is by far the biggest disparity we have ever had when it comes to scores. It has to be, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like we both had the same thoughts, but we came to opposite conclusions. Like, I liked it because it gives Static its own flair, and because it's non-typical DCAU music, and I think it fits the show. And it, like I said, I think it gives it its own flavor. And yes, it's kind of wacky and out there. And if every episode uses, like, the same four tracks, then that will get old, and maybe my scores will come down the rest of the month. But for this one episode, I honestly really dug what they did. And uh, I like, I think they reused, I think Harley's theme when her blimp shows up is, might be the same thing they use for the Joker. It's sort of this weird crescendo that they... It is. It absolutely um, is. I, I think it's the same thing they use for the Joker, which is fine. And then, like I said, we, I, uh, that we, yeah, instead of using the, the Shirley Walker Batman theme that we're more accustomed to, they actually did, yes, go back to the, the 1989 Batman, the, the main title of Batman, the animated series theme, uh, the Danny Elfman piece. Um, and like I said, I, it's, it's, again, it's completely non-normal, and I wouldn't necessarily want this in every episode, but I think it worked for this works in a vacuum for me. And we'll have to see how my opinions change as we go on and we and we review a full month's worth of these episodes. But, yeah, for this one, I thought it was unique and it it, it worked and it gave even though we're dealing with all these sort of old familiar faces, it, it sort of put a, a fresh coat of paint on it for me. So, yeah, I, th- I think we you didn't like it because of how weird and different it is. And that's the same reasons I did like it. So. There you go. 
Hey, Liam. Hey, Liam. Yeah. Yeah. You know what also is unique? What's that? A pair of pants made out of sandpaper. <laughs> but guess what? It sucks, and I don't want to wear them. And I it, just because they're unique doesn't mean it's good. And that's the case for this terrible, awful, no good backing track that's supposed to be the backing track, not the focal point of the scene. Why is it the focal point of the scene? I don't know. And it's terrible. There's a reason why these songs shouldn't have lyrics. All right. Well, agree to disagree. historically, we are now officially coming off the biggest disagreement we have ever had on this program. So <laughs> put that one in the uh, in the in the description field for you. Yeah. Uh, big, officially, the biggest dis- di- disparity between two uh, scores or discrepancy between scores there. So. All right. Let's uh, let's move on, Liam. And uh, let us talk about our voice acting. We have quite the all-star cast. As I mentioned, there's a lot of returning characters uh, from the world of Batman. Plus, we have some some characters here to re-familiarize ourselves with in the world of Dakota. So let's talk about our voice cast for this week's episode. Yeah, to your point, not a lot of our regular static characters beyond some brief interactions with uh, Jason Marsden's Richie Foley and, and Crystal Scales as uh, as Daisy. We do have... Uh, I'm going to talk about the only person in the cast who I didn't enjoy, and then we can talk about all the fun stuff. Uh, so we have Takea Crystal Kema as Nails slash Allie, um, who folks might know. She was on In Living Cover. In Living Color, which is like the Canadian SNL, basically, for right. years and years. She was also the mom on uh, That's So Raven. If you're if you're closer to my age group, that might uh, that might ring a bell for you as well. Wait, wasn't um, That's So Raven like on around the same time as this show? Am I crazy? Yeah, no, it would have been on at the same time. So she was playing like a like a 14 year old girl and Raven Simone's mom. Yeah, I guess okay. so. All right. <laughs> So I don't think she's good in this. Uh, that's putting it nicely. Um, she just every, pretty much every line, uh, regardless of what emotion she's supposed to feel, is is delivered in the same sort of over the top kind of shouty way. And again, we you know I don't want to completely criticize her alone. That that could also be in the the voice direction. Uh, it yep. could be that that's she's doing what is asked of her, so I don't want to put it all on her. But I will just say the end result, the performance of this episode, I am not a fan of. I would agree. And again, I I mean I I I did not watch that so Raven as much. Like I definitely remember seeing a few episodes, mm-hmm. but I would be I would wager to say that she's not a terrible actress, especially if she's been on cast on a show like that and was obviously on in loving color at like I, I cannot imagine that her acting skills would be subpar in that way <laughs> uh i feel like maybe this is just the case where somebody who was cast as a as a voice actor and just it wasn't a great performance we talked about that with many many actors in a couple of different episodes you know william h macy is the one i always go back to it's like this guy Mm -hmm. is well known for how great an actor he is and we poo-pooed his his performance on that batman beyond episode that he was on so um sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't work yeah and she actually she goes on to play uh bumblebee on the teen titans show 
And I generally remember liking her in that role where she's sort of more of a, you know, this uh, very confident, uh, full, you know, uh, confident uh, young teen hero. I think she worked better in that role. But obviously in this one, again, we talked about that. There's kind of supposed to be some nuance to this because she's going through these changes and she's running away to Gotham City. And then she's accosted by these legitimate supervillains who are dangling this this cure for what, quote unquote, ails her in front of her. Like, there's a lot to that character. Um, and for whatever reason, like we said, I, I, I wouldn't blame her necessarily, but for what what they got out of her in this role, I just don't think she was right to play like that that sort of troubled, conflicted teenager. It, it just didn't quite work as well as maybe it would in a if she was playing a more traditional superhero or supervillain character in the show. I did it! I can control the change at will now. It's wonderful, honey. Doctor Chen says my treatment's going so well, I may lose the metallic affliction completely. You could give a lot of hope to the Bang Baby, Sally. Yeah, I was lucky to be selected for this program. It's being paid for by a big company in Gotham, Wayne Industries. Agreed. But getting that out of the way, we have a, a pretty large guest cast, which happens to be mostly just the same guest cast as uh, any episode of Batman the Animated Series. We have uh, Robert Costanza as uh, Harvey Bullock, which is great. He's the first voice we hear in the episode, and... In fact, he, uh, speaking of Batman 89, he, uh, in fact, does sort of a reference to the uh, where does he get those wonderful toys. picks up the batarang um, there's also a great line that he has when uh, static <laughs> and batman respond to the bat signal on the roof and uh, batman does not introduce static which i thought was great he does not introduce static to commissioner gordon or harvey bullock and then as they're flying away sounds just like your plant lady style give us 10 minutes if you don't hear from us send in police helicopters yeah Robin do to his hair. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. And and you get uh, Commissioner Gordon just shaking his head. And and speaking of Commissioner Gordon, we do have Bob Hastings uh, reprising his role as the commissioner. Um, uh, not not a big role for him there. Again, just sort of just sort of uh, just hanging around to do that. But this is actually one of his. Uh, this is his final time voicing Commissioner Gordon on uh on a tv show he did the rise of sinsu batman video game after this as well as mystery of the batwoman the movie but so this is the his final time playing commissioner gordon on uh, on tv so a little bit of, a little bit of history to that but uh yeah i mean it's always nice to hear his voice again and uh to see him uh or to, to see him and and hear his voice again i, I it was it was a cool little wrinkle they didn't have to put Gordon and Bullock into it, but it's cool that they did. 
Absolutely. Bringing in both of those characters, and I'm sure, as we'll talk about in just a second with Alfred, and so so many of these supporting characters and voices that you've known for forever, rather than just going, well, we'll recast them. It's only, Gordon only has three or four lines in the whole whole thing. They really probably could have used canned, you know, footage or, or can, canned uh, recordings of him uh, delivering some of those lines, but to have him come in to record brand new stuff, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool touch. Speaking of Alfred, it is, in fact, the return of Hashtag My Alfred. Uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., uh, he only has sort of these these two brief scenes, similar to to uh, Gordon and Bullock. But uh, he, as you mentioned earlier, Cal, he has a, a great back and forth with uh, Static in the Batcave. Hmm? <gasps> What's going on? Ow! Where am I? Who are you? Batman. I don't think so. Just once I'd like someone to believe that. Ow! Pardon me. That seems to be the last one. Oh. Thanks, dog. You're welcome, dude. Yeah, it's tremendous. And, you know, he, he Static wakes up and doesn't know who this guy is, doesn't kind of know where he is. And he asks who he is. And, and Alfred responds that he's Batman. And, and, and <laughs> Static laughs it off. And he says, darn, just one time I wish that would work or something like that. It's just, just really, really strong. Really great. Really great interaction between the two of them. And then then uh <laughs> then as he's uh as 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 uh, Virgil jumps off the table he he uh decides to use some hip lingo with Alfred to see if he can get <laughs> over on him and and Alfred is right there with him. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, again, you didn't have to have Alfred be in the episode again. You could have explained away why he's not there. Um but uh, again, I think this adds to I think we talked about this in uh, when we reviewed Starcross back in uh, episode 100 available in the archives at dcaureview.com. But uh, there there's also this point where this is so deep into Bruce's career as Batman that like there's literally nothing that he could do or bring home that Alfred would be surprised by at this point. Right. And so he's just like, "All right, some random teenager's got a bunch of splinters. Let me just pick them out of them and, <laughs> and go on about my day." Yep, really uh, good. Yeah, I, I like that. And then, and then, yeah, we have uh, we have Kevin Conroy as Batman. Um, I really like the back and forth between him and and Phil Lamar as uh, as Static. Um, like like we said, that's sort of like the the B plot of the episode is is Static feeling like Batman doesn't trust him, and then also them sort of being a little bit at odds over how they should treat Allie. And I think they uh, Kevin Conroy and Phil Lamar really play off each other well in this episode. Yeah, their chemistry is evident. They are clearly de- developed and have developed some some chemistry here in this, and and you know obviously it's carrying over from from Justice League as well. So, um, you know, great. I love the dynamic, like you said, between how Batman deals with a with a typical villain and how how Static appeals to him dealing with a with a teenager instead. Yeah, I liked and I liked uh, the little the kids got style when uh, when Static sort of uses his own trick to pull the the Batman disappearing act. I liked. Uh, and then what? Spend the rest of your life running from guys like him? And me? <sighs> Tell me this. 
this. Why'd you bother coming after me? It's the least I could do for a girl from my hood. But how did you know... Where did he go? The kid's got style. I like that he kind of... Maybe that's why Batman revealed his identity from him. He's like, oh, he can do cool... He can do cool disappears, too. So he's he can be in the club now. <laughs> Love it. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, as our, we have our, our main villains of the piece. Uh, last but not least, we have uh, Diane Pershing returning as Poison Ivy. And we have Arlene Sorkin returning as Harley. And uh, they're both great, especially Arlene Sorkin as Harley. And obviously, you know, Paul Dini co-created the character. Very few writers get Harley's voice, uh, you know, quite quite as well as Paul Dini does for obvious reasons. And for sure. So a lot of the comedy of the episode uh, is is based out of just stuff Harley says or how she acts. And no one should go through that alone, girlfriend. We may be, as you say, crooks now, but once we were doctors. And I'm still a brilliant chemist. And as a therapist, I've been helping victims deal with their afflictions. Laughter is the best medicine, you know. <laughs> this isn't funny. Did I say laughter? I meant penicillin. And uh, yeah, it, it's always great to hear Arlene Sorkin voice this character that was literally made for her. Yeah, it fits like a glove and there's a reason that it does. Uh, she's great. And as we said, we haven't gotten a chance to to review an episode with both of them together. But she and she and Diane Pershing have this weird chemistry that works together as well uh, with with Pershing sort of teetering on the annoyance level at, at who Harley <laughs> is, but having this deep seated love for her as like as Harley. So it's it's like a love hate type thing that that goes on simultaneously. So you, you got to you got to love that. And their their voices together work out really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for all those reasons, I everybody else is great. Like I said, I was not crazy about uh, Takiya Crystal Kana. Um, again, not blaming her, but that did bring my score down a little bit. And I gave voice acting a nine out of ten. Okay. Yeah, her score brought it down to a seven out of ten for me. Um, it's 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 good. There are good performances overall. Um, I I think that uh, I think that it's strong. It's just yeah, it was just there were times where it was distracting and it was hard. So uh, just brought it down a couple notches. Fair enough. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final scores for this week. Totaling everything up, we're going to have a big disparity here between our numbers, too. But totaling everything up for me, uh, I end up with a final score of 26 out of 40. What about you? Yeah, and I uh, I come up with a final score of 35 out of 40. So this is also probably the biggest final score disparity in uh, in our show's history. There you go. Well, I guess that, that brings us to rewatchability then, Liam. Um, where do we land on this? Um, I think it's a fun episode. I think I this is one of those one thumb up rewatchability. It's not super important to like static as a character if you're talking about the most important episodes of static. Um, I don't believe that this alley character ever comes back, so uh, it's not like there's other than this sort of being a fun one-off adventure for him in Gotham city um, and sort of the novelty of him teaming up with Batman. It's cool. And it's a fun, and I think it's a good way to spend 22 minutes. 
Um, so I, I would give it one thumb up. But if you're if you're only watching sort of the most integral episodes, either of this series or of the entire DCAU, I think this one sort of doesn't fit because it's it's not the first time him and Batman have teamed up. It's also not, uh, you know, later on he teams up with Superman or the entire Justice League or, uh, you know, he goes into the future and teams up with Terry. So these are, you know, these are all sort of future adventures that Static goes off to have that are all sort of big firsts for him, whereas this one is sort of just another Batman team up. So, yeah, I think it's a fun episode. I definitely don't think you would waste your time if you haven't seen it before, if you want to rewatch it. But um, I don't I wouldn't say this is a must watch either. Yeah, it's not a must watch. I think I think people if if you haven't watched Static, this is what the caveat I would say. If you haven't watched Static or you haven't watched much of Static, if you want an episode to start off on uh or maybe to ease yourself into what is Static like, uh then then check out this episode um for sure. Uh must watch. No, you're not missing anything in particular by by skipping it, but it's fun and it's a good introduction. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. All right, Liam. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Don't forget, you can also check us out on our social media pages at DCAU Review on Twitter and Instagram. Liam runs our Twitter page. Uh, If you've been following us on Twitter, you would have known that this episode was coming up because Liam frequently talks about what episodes we'll be reviewing in the future. And if you were following us on instagram you would have heard a clip from this week's episode liam why don't we tell the listeners at home about what we'll be reviewing for next week's episode yes so as we talked about we're jumping into season three this week for the first time we're gonna go we're gonna go a little backwards we're gonna go back into season two for next week and talk about another superhero coming to dakota that of course being the great hero shaquille o'neal (laughs) <laughs> and we are talking about the episode Static Shack. I can't wait. Um, like, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever seen this episode. So this isn't, there's no nostalgia attached to this. So I'm weirdly excited because I can only imagine that it'll either be great or terrible. And I can't imagine there's any in between. So I'm excited for that. Is this the episode with Carl Malone on it too? No, this is not the Hoop Squad. That that comes later. This is just a solo Shaquille O'Neal showing up uh, adventure for Static. Oh boy, I I am I am even more ecstatic, pun intended, uh, now. <laughs> getting ready to check out this episode. All right. Well, that will be on next week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, uh, Spotify, Apple podcast, or Google podcasts. We're on those iHeartRadio. radio. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to us. If there's an option to leave a review, we would love you to do that. Uh, give us five stars. Tell us what you love about the podcast. Uh, it helps spread the word about our program. Uh, anything else, Liam, to add? No, uh, definitely. Uh, Definitely stay tuned to uh, Twitter and Instagram. I might might be throwing up a poll soon on Twitter. Maybe you can help us pick uh, the last episode of Static we'll be reviewing this month. And, uh, of course, I'm always just talking about uh, everything going on in the world of the DCAU. We always have thoughts on these, uh, the new comics and action figures coming out, any other sort of DC-related news, DC animation-related news. So, uh, yeah, always uh, always follow and uh, feel free to join the conversation with us on uh, any of our socials. Absolutely. Well, until next time, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. 
and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.